In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with founder of The Dirty Cookie, Shahira Marai. Key points addressed were Shahira's unlikely background as an aerospace engineer and her plunge following it into the world of cookies. We also discussed Shahira's crucial pivot into e-commerce in 2018 and how that is playing out in the climate of COVID-19 and the pandemic's effect on her business and its future. Stay tuned for my talk and interview with Shahira. Hi, my name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Patricia. And today I am elated to be sitting down with Shahira Marai. She is the founder of The Dirty Cookie. You can find it online, www.dirtycookie.com. Welcome, Shahira. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited to kind of unpack what you're doing. We talked off the record prior to this, but your website video... Um, I was researching prior to speaking with you and um, my entire household lit up over. So we will get into um, every, all the goods that you're providing there and particularly the cookie shot. Prior to doing that though, for everyone listening, I will read a bio on Shihira. But before that, a quick roadmap of today's podcast for any new um, listeners. It will follow the same trajectory as all of them in this series. We will first look at unpacking Shihira's academic and professional background that brought her to launching uh, Dirty Cookie. Then we'll look at unpacking the Dirty Cookie. We'll get into the logistics for all of you um, entrepreneurs and founders out there, the who, what, when, where, why, funding, growth, all of those early stage things. And then we'll kind of turn our efforts towards the ethos and the philosophy behind it and um, some of Shahira's motivations there. We'll also look at some of the current and contemporary issues about COVID-19 and how that has impacted everyone's businesses. Um, and then we'll look at uh, goals and plans that Shahira has for the future for both herself and her business and how those intertwine sometimes and segregate and others. We'll wrap everything up with advice that she has for those of you who are looking to get involved, purchase some of her gorgeous products, or emulate some of her success. So um, as promised, a quick bio before I start peppering her with questions on Shahira. Shahira is the furthest person from your typical Betty Crocker. In fact, in her past life, she was an aerospace project manager. The Dirty Cookie was born from the desire to turn something small into something meaningful. It was born from her personal aspiration to change lives. When Shahira was 10 years old on a vacation in Egypt, she witnessed the devastation of hunger and homelessness firsthand. She was shocked that children her age were living on the streets, that they were deprived of basic food and shelter. She begged her father to give them money and he conceded, but not before engraving the single most important statement she would hear to date. If you really want to help them, give them jobs, not money. It was a monumental enough for her to decide to build a company, um, one that she vowed would be centered around the people that she employs. 
Uh, today, you'll see that aside from the unique and delectable cookies, her uh, business is about personality. From the customization options on their shots to creative freedom that she gives to her employees, she has worked to drive home the idea that anything is possible. She's always open to trying new things and she employs her customers and team to challenge her as they work together towards a common goal. The Dirty Cookie is more than a dessert heaven. It's a home for those who are searching for themselves and what they love. Again, you can locate it at dirtycookie.com. Um, so Shihiro, before we get into unpacking it, which I'm super excited to do, I'm hoping you can draw, uh, for everyone listening, uh, your background of academic and professional life prior to launching the Dirty Cookie. Yeah, um, so I went to Cal State Fullerton here in California for my undergrad. I majored in uh, business marketing, and then I got my MBA in management while I was working full-time at Boeing. I was an aerospace project manager, like I mentioned, for about six years at the Boeing company. And uh, yeah, that's my academic so what is the connection? Draw me the annexation. How did it go from project aerospace engineer at Boeing to launching a cookie company when you're not Betty Crocker? Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely not a baker. Do not put me in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> I, I, like I said, since I was really young, that was engraved in my mind that I was going to be an entrepreneur. You know, my father told me like, if you really want to help people, you're going to have to give them jobs. And the way to do that is an employer, not an employee. So I had that really on early on because he was an entrepreneur. He was a retired entrepreneur. So um, with that being engraved in my mind, when I um, had my daughter at 23, no, 26, sorry. I started Boeing at 23. I was, had my daughter at 26. I went into this like panic mode. I was like, okay, I have this awesome corporate job. I have a kid now. But like, where is my business? Like, how am I going to help people um, and give people jobs? So that's when I went into this on maternity leave, those five months of maternity leave, just trying to figure out how I'm going to start a business. That's all I did for five months. And I manifested it. And I was like, it's coming this year. It's happening. So within being back at Boeing within like three weeks, I had met someone who introduced me to a landlord of my future storefront. And I signed a four, uh, five-year lease to the store. Um, Wow, Literally. big jump. Yeah, I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> but um, I used my experience at Boeing and my uh, friends there to help me design a mold to make it into this cookie shot shape. So we got a patent on the mold. And I picked a cookie because I wanted something unique and different. And I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world. Like, I just love dessert. I eat dessert first before ordering my meal. That's just who I am. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was going to be in the dessert field. Um, so yeah, I signed my uh, five-year lease and then uh, just kind of worked backwards from there, figuring out what I'm going to put in there. And uh, it's not your normal story with like a whole business plan and here's what we're going to go do. And No, it sounds like you didn't lack bravery at all because <laughs> it, it, it there is like a lot of empty space in between these sentences. And that's cool. You know, that's kind of what you need. They say in the beginning, you have to be like, brave enough to, um, or short-sighted enough to take the leap and then have enough energy to fulfill it once you're terrified. So <laughs> as an entrepreneur, 
Um, I'm wondering, you love cookies. That's what started you off there. You have, so if you, for everyone listening, like getting into unpacking the dirty cookie, because she already kind of dropped that little crumb, pun intended, um, if you will, about the mold. She has, um, so she her has this uh, cookie shot and it's essentially like, it looks like a, I want to say like a shot glass, a very tiny tumbler um, that's mm-hmm. based out of a cookie and it looks like it's, it's lined with chocolate. And then the video as you, if anyone who sees when you hit her website is milk being poured inside of it which is simply, you know, ingenious. I think it's a, it's a very clever take. Cookies have had a revitalization, right? I'm old, I'm 43. Back in the day, there was Mrs. Fields in the mall and that was kind of it, you know? And then they went silent for a while and then, then there was this rebirth along with Cupcakes, their sister. And um, I feel like people just kind of started making them again. They didn't start re-engineering them and that is what you've done. And it's clever yeah. and it's whimsical and it's cool and it's fun and that's what dessert usually is. I'm wondering, what was the impetus behind it? Like, how did you come up with the cookie shot? Well, I actually was inspired. Like, I signed this five-year lease, and I'm looking at my future storefront, and I'm, like, on Pinterest scrolling through. I was like, okay, I have to find something in the dessert world to put in here. And I saw this lady molding uh, cookie dough on um, bowls. You know, like, she's trying to make a cereal bowl out of cookie dough. And I'm like, oh, my but I'm like the biggest like milk and cookie dipper in the world. I could put the milk and cookies together as one. And that's when I called my engineer at Boeing. I'm like, hey, can you help me make this mold? I want to do a cookie cup basically and fill it with milk. And he's like, sure, no problem. So I went to his house and, you know, designed it, 3D printed it. And then my best friend from high school, hadn't talked to in like 10 years. She was one of the best bakers in the country. Like she's, she went to like top culinary school and pastry chef, you name it. So I went to her with the mold and I'm like, hey, can you like develop these recipes for me? Because this is what I really want to do. And I signed this five-year lease. So yeah, she started uh, coming up with the recipes. She was on board for a while. And then uh, she got really busy with her own work and just handed me over all our recipes and made the whole team of bakers. And then I started learning how to bake. So within two years, I became a baking expert. Actually. Ah, you were broken. You have become Betty Crocker. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you unpack, let's get into the logistics for all of our nerdy entrepreneurs out there and founders alike. Um, first of all, let's talk about when it was founded. Uh, you sound, did you have co-founders? Did you take any funding and, um, is it brick and mortar or is it solely online? Yes. So it was founded in 2015. Um, July 31st, 2015 is when I opened the storefront and, I actually started it with my best friend from Boeing um, and she ended up leaving after a year because um, the entrepreneurship life was very challenging. You know, just some people have this idea of wanting, you know, to start a business, but then when you really get into it and see the challenges, um, she's like, no, you know what, this was your dream, go for it on your own. So she, um, she left about a year into the business. Um, and then we had the store for four years. Um, I had the store for four years. I closed it in December 2018 when I just felt like I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want, I saw my company as bigger than this little tiny store in a terrible location. Um, I wanted to go into like distribution and I wanted to go into online. So I shipped the store and decided to shift to e-commerce right away. I had no idea how to run an e-commerce business. So that's a whole other story. 
And it changes, right? You're in a very specific thing. It's not closing a clothing boutique and switching to online, which has its own unique challenges, but you're in baked, shipping baked goods or shipping any kind of edible. It's a very different conversation with even the process and what you're making. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I didn't realize at that time, you know, like Facebook ads and Instagram ads are kind of like a pay to play game. And we didn't have extra money to play with all the big boys online. So it was, um, we, and we went through like three or four different ad agencies, couldn't find the right person to help us. So that I think we lost a lot of money online, just trying to understand how the online, you know, e-commerce business works. But I'm glad we did all of that homework because that's what's really helping us right now after right. COVID. Um, this is really we have all that data from Facebook ads back from 2019 early on when we played around with it. And now we're really, I found the right person to help us really grow that and use it to our benefit. So. Uh, yeah, it's auspicious. It's crazy. The timing, um, given that, you know, it seems like you were kind of this flagship perhaps for different reasons, but switching to e-commerce and having that be your sole um, moment. I'm curious, when you went, did you take a break at all from closing your brick and mortar in 2018? Was there any kind of a break or did you go straight over to your e-commerce? Straight over into e-commerce and then we still had catering, like a, a huge part of our business was catering. We did weddings, mitzvahs, um, corporate events, worked with like clients like Facebook and Netflix. Um, so we had a ton of catering. I just wanted to grow and have an online presence, like a big one. So. Yeah. Did but, you take any original funding when you founded the brick and mortar? No, that was um, like 50,000 from my best friend, maxed out all my credit cards, pulled my 401k. Bootstrapped. <laughs> yeah, that's old school. Excellent. Um, okay, so that, which is cool too, because you retained a lot of um, autonomy and authority with that, right? No investors, fewer voices. Uh, which is also kind of draws into, it's interesting, the voices that you did kind of want to bring in and listen to within the ethos behind and the philosophy behind you, people who are working with it and things like that. Can you kind of speak to the open creative process that you and your crew have when you're developing products? And also, what kind of products do you offer right now? So um, due to just doing a little pivot with uh, COVID, we just started, we just launched um, our decorating kits, like a DIY. Um, you get a set of cookie shops, you fill them with chocolate, you dip them in sprinkles, and then you decorate them with characters. Like we're really big on the customization uh, part of our cookie shops. We brand them for, you know, birthdays, um, events. So now you can put like little happy birthday characters and birthday presents and balloons on them. Um, they're fondant characters or royal icing characters, so you can just eat them. Uh, they're basically sugar, so they're really good and fun activities. Um, I was inspired to do this because um, primarily I was at home now with my daughter, and she's six, and I'm just like trying, she's almost six, I'm trying to keep her entertained all the time. We did brownies, we baked cookies, we've done everything, you name it, coloring, and I was just like, okay, how about you just take some cookie shots and decorate them for me, and she loved it, her and her friends, like, um, our neighbors, they were playing with it and they had a blast. So, you know yeah. what, that's what I'm doing now. So. Yeah, it's a delicious craft that they can do. Exactly. It counts as art, exactly. coloring, craft, dessert. It's covering bases. I love that. Um, do you, have you, have you had people reach out? I feel like you're inches away from some kind of a collaboration or someone saying like, here's what I want you to mold next. You know, I think that you've like hit the tip of an iceberg here. Have you had anyone reach out and try to collaborate? Are you interested in those kind of forward or future motions? Or are you going to like hold tight to where you're at? 
No, I love collaborations. I love collaborating with other companies. I did one previously. I did a bunch previously. Um, I love, love, I think the future is partnerships and collaborations mm -hmm. with brands. Um, I love supporting women owned companies. So I do look to my female entrepreneurs and say, Hey, how can we, you know, collaborate and support each other? So, um, I tend to do that. I have a giveaway with a uh, donut company this Friday have another one next week with just, you know, giving out our products. Um, and then also trying to infuse two brands together, whether if it's a flavor or a unique idea. So nice. I love that. Well, so looking, we've spoken a little bit about how you've, you've changed your product a little bit, given the recent COVID situation to this, you know, this social engineering aspect of like, wait, kids should be crafting with this. They're home. Um, to also, have there been other things, other ways that, I'm curious with people who had products, you know, there was um, an onus, if you will, of a responsibility to communicate in some degree as to how COVID was affecting you or how you wanted to communicate to your audience and your customers that it was affecting them. How did you personally deal with that? Um, was there anything that you communicated with your clients or customers as it hit and um, moving forward, has it changed anything about outside of this new endeavor with the decorating kits? Has it changed anything else? Yeah, yeah, excellent question. Um, so when I first got the news um, of social distancing, I think that was like, a, I had all my clients cancel all our events. We had like 30 events scheduled out for the next few months. So it felt like overnight, all my events were canceled that were in the calendar. And then we had just been working so hard into getting into all these really big hotels like Four Seasons and Marriott and Cosmopolitan Vegas. And we just, you know, we were starting to really pick up with um, hospitality. The food and beverage directors were going crazy with our products, you know, like trying to incorporate it into their events and um, their weddings and their parties and stuff at these major hotels. So things were like getting really exciting. And then um, they also just canceled like overnight, obviously. So I think that week was really, really difficult for me. I, um, I walked in, I remember March 13th, Friday the 13th, I walked into my production facility, like I couldn't stop crying. I told all my team members, I'm just gonna have to let them go right now. I can't, I don't know what's on the books for us. Like I don't have any business. I was like, and I got scared. Like, I mean, to be honest, I got super scared. Mm -hmm. um, and I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm going to let you guys know if I get any business and bring you back immediately. But right now I just have to let everybody go. And, um, it was a sad day. I cried a lot and cried with my team and, um, it, it took about a week off and didn't even think about work. It just did a lot of meditation and a lot of praying and just tried to, um, kind of like see, okay, what can, how can we, you know, come out of this and come out of it stronger. Cause I'm a very positive person. I like to believe like everything happens for a reason and there's always good in everything. So after that week, I call it my week of mourning. Um, I got the idea for the decorating kits actually during my meditation. So it was right before Easter. Like our cutoff for Easter was Monday. I launched the kits on Friday and within those 48 hours, we sold like 400 Easter cookie kits. Wow just like, oh my God, this is my direction. This is what I've been praying for the whole week. And this is what we're going to go do. So I brought my team back. I brought four, you know, four people back. Um, and they've just been working on the kits in the kitchen right now. So nice. 
What a great, I mean, what a great success. Quick turnaround from, you know, a moment of of pause and reflection. I don't know of anyone who hasn't taken time to reflect. And, um, And it really has pivoted. It's a lot of people have changed. And it seems like there's been a great deal of it that was good you know, um, and at least there's that coming from such a tragedy as a pandemic. Um, I'm curious, moving forward, particularly because you have this recent kind of pivot, growth, change, you know, success on your heels. Um, what are your plans for the future? Have you looked, have you gone back to the, the board and said, let's look at the next one to three years? It must have changed from what there was before. Oh, 100%. <laughs> definitely. Um, definitely changed. I Think we're going in the more DIY direction. Um, these decorating kits have inspired me actually for years. Like for since I started, people have been asking me to buy our patent molds, right? And I was always, no, there's no way I'm ever going to sell my molds. But I was like, you know what? This could be an opportunity to create a smaller version of my molds, um, a six-piece, you know, kit. Make it at home yourself with our proprietary cookie mix and you know, all the decorating characters. So it's like this one big, awesome activity box, you know, with the molds, the cookie mix and the decorating stuff. So that's kind of where I'm going. And this could be sold in retail and stores, you know, Target, Bed Bath and Beyond, wherever. Um, And I don't have to deal with what I deal with right now, which is a lot of shelf life issues for a big good. Like it's a major distribution because of the fact that we have a short shelf life and I'm not really open to putting up ton of preservatives in my product. Um, so I'm like, oh, this could be like the perfect solution, you know, like people make it themselves and then we can get into a ton of distribution. So right. kind of what I'm working on now. That's exciting. Yeah. And it changes. It's interesting. You know, um, I always find every time I've gone back on something, I've said, I will never do that. It's always for a good reason. You know, it's always a happy end. It's not, you know, um, selling my hair Les Rob style. It's more like, oh, but it worked out well for me to go back on what I said I thought I didn't want to do. And it's yeah. adorable to kind of see those early perceptions of, you know, just yeah. it's naivete that brings us all to saying like, I would never, and then being like, wait, this could work out well. <laughs> it's I interesting. I timing, you know, there's, there's yeah. time for everything. And this is like the perfect time to roll this, especially because there is a need for it. I've been, if I show you how many emails and DMs on Instagram asking worldwide, Brazil, in Europe, you name it, asking for our molds. Um, every day we get messages about it. So I'm like, you know what, this this is where we should focus on a little bit now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and good on you for being open to it. You know, part of life is just staying open, right? Exactly. Doing that. Well, we're at the point. Well, well, first, I actually wanted to ask you, I forgot and neglected um, my other community, but um, I myself am vegan and gluten-free. Joy. Um, oh. I know people are like, what? No. And I'm like, no, I still eat baked goods. I'm still allowed. Like I still get in there. And, yeah. and there's, you offer some vegan or you used to some vegan and gluten-free. Will you stay along with that characteristic? And did you see an increase in that market um, over the past year? Definitely. Um, we have a double chocolate vegan gluten-free right now on our site. We just, um, we had a ton more vegan gluten-free products, but just because with the limited staff right now, we've decided to just keep one item <laughs> that's vegan gluten free and focus um, just uh, trying to streamline the process a little bit more. But my sister's vegan and she told me when I first started, she's like, you are not launching a store without a vegan product. So, and my other sister's free and I needed to satisfy both of them. 
with one cookie. So that's kind of how that vegan gluten-free cookie shop was born. Wonderful. Well done. Two sisters in right mind. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that they made it about them. That's fantastic. I know. right? (laughs) Um, And you listened. It's as you, the three of you are well suited. Um, I'm wondering, uh, so we've gotten to the place where it's kind of my favorite part of the podcast. Um, and I'm I'm known for asking this, but I'm curious if you were in a public space, a socially properly distanced from a person who came up to you tomorrow and it was a woman or a female identified or a non-binary individual, uh, anyone other than a man for purposes of, of this podcast endeavor, um, who said, listen, uh, I'm, I've, I've got this history in um, you know, some science-based areas and, and business administration. I'm doing quite well, but I've always wanted this security and intrigue and expression of having my own business. I'm going to launch one. Um, I've, I found a place, and that's about all I know. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that person knowing what you know now? Oh. Number one, I wish I would have talked to someone in the industry before launching my store. Um, I didn't think I knew it all, but I didn't know that there were people willing to help. You know, I think that was a big oversight on my part. Um, So I go talk to people who are doing it first and get their lessons learned and get their feedback because when I learned that later on, Oh man, I, it's just helped me so much not make further mistakes or limit them, you know, by mm-hmm. open to receiving from the experts, like having a mentor is huge. I have like four different mentors in four different areas where I utilize all of them. So getting mentors really, I think aligned with that. The second thing would be, um, like don't rush into it. I was very, um, I didn't want to take my time. You know, I like totally rushed into everything. I didn't think twice because I was so eager. I was the type, like I would just jump. And because of this burning desire I've had for like 15 years of just swarming, I prop, I mean, I'm glad it happened because I, I'm the type that, you know, I would have, I needed to get my feet wet to learn, but it cost me a lot of money, a lot of mistakes. Um, so if you can hold on to that desire a little bit and just get the right help along the way, that would be really great. And networking, I think networking, I lived in a bubble for the first two years of business. Like, I don't even like calling it networking, like just building relationships, you know? I, um, I was so focused on making the business like successful that I didn't get out to talk to anybody doing anything, right? I didn't have a system. Um, but when I met these group of amazing entrepreneurs, I just, it was just like magic happened between us. So definitely need that support system, whether it's entrepreneurs or family, but I like to tend to hang out with more entrepreneurs because they understand issues, whether it was like payroll or rent or whatever I can vent to them and not my family. They're like, okay, we don't want to hear another word about your business. So you have to be around people who get it for sure. Yeah. And they're scrappy. Other entrepreneurs are going to come up with that like Yankee know-how, you know, (laughs) those exciting like duct tape moments. Um, Okay. So I've got, talk to someone in the industry. Um, There are people that are happy to advise and mentor as you get started. Don't rush into it. Um, Preserve your passion, but get some information first. And number three, network. Find your people. Those are awesome. 
Your tribe. There you go. I love those three pieces. And I think they're so true. It's, you know, you come across axiomatic like truths and it's just like that works for every industry. doesn't matter what yeah. business you're in. Well, exactly. thank you, Shihira. I appreciate your time today. We are out of time, but I wanted to say I really appreciate your story. I loved hearing all about it. And um, I'm encouraging everyone to get online and check out your stuff. Thank you, Patricia. I had a blast. Thank you. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, we have been speaking once again with Shahira Marie. She's the founder of The Dirty Cookie. You can find out more online, www.dirtycookie.com. And until we speak again next time, remember to stay in love with the world and always bet on yourself. Sláinte.